Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, um, and if you're coming in today on the Zoom app um, and you have comments or questions, thoughts that you'd like us to talk about today relating to our topic or uh, otherwise, you can submit those um, in the chat window or in the Q&A box. And if you're coming in on Scott's Facebook page um, on that live video, you can um, write your comments in the comment uh, window and I'll be monitoring those throughout the show. Um, today, I've got Scott Smelser with me. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing okay. A little bit hot and sweaty, but otherwise okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Probably been uh, doing some work, so that's good. Um, all right, Scott. Um, so let's jump into what we're going to talk about today. Why don't you uh, introduce us, get us going? So we're going to be talking about the Jew, the Gentile, and the Apostle Paul, and the question of Judaizing the Gentiles. So this was actually one of the big problems in the first century. And let's go back and kind of set the stage for it. Let's imagine that we are Jews um, before the time of Christ. And how do we identify? We're Jews. And in our mind, what are some things that are important to us in our self-identification? Yeah, so um, being children of Abraham, um, the covenant that we have with the Lord through circumcision and that sign that was given to Abraham, the Mosaic law and following the Mosaic law and uh, different festivals, things like that. And in the Old Testament, is it a great, great, great blessing to be a descendant of Abraham? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we call it, you know, God gave these three blessings to Abraham, these three promises to Abraham. Uh, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to, you know, all nations of the earth be blessed in you. And so, you know, they felt very, very blessed. But let's pause right there. In the third promise, what did it say again? There was going to be the land, Genesis mm -hmm. 12, yep. the nation. And what was number three? Yeah, this uh, seed or, or offspring that would come through Abraham that would bless all nations. All right. Uh, and, and, and actually, it's through you. I'm, I'm, I don't even remember if seed is used in Genesis 12. It may be, but I'm thinking it's not. I think that show, shows up later. Uh, but let's, let's just double check because my memory could be at fault. Genesis 12, verse 3. Let's just read it verbatim. Yeah, so Genesis 12, 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay, so this blessing that the Jews felt, there was a promise back here to Abraham that in Abraham everybody was going to be blessed. Yep. But certainly a Jew should have been pleased to be uh, a Jew. And actually, I'm using an anachronism there. Uh, would Isaac have considered himself a Jew? Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Right. The word Jew comes from Judah. Right. So after the after the divided kingdom, when you have the north, Israel, and the south, Judah, that's where our term Jew from. But when we're using Jew in our discussion today, we're going to be talking primarily about the Israelites, the the the, the Hebrew people. All right. So when we're blessed by God, what would be some proper emotions to have in being blessed by God? And what would be some improper emotions to have by being blessed by God? Let's start with proper. Uh, 
proper um, uh, immediately think of uh, humility. Um, so feeling extremely, uh, I suppose, you know, unworthy of that, but also thankful um, that God has chosen to bless me. Um, and I guess as a result of that joy and thankfulness and, yeah. and, uh, and those sorts of things. Kind of like going to the previous blessing of creation, Psalm 8. When I look at the moon and the stars, what is man that you're mindful of him? And yet, look what you've done for us. So, yeah, there's a humility. So, humility, gratitude. Another problem is that when we're blessed by God, it can turn into pride. Yes. And as we get to the New Testament, in the teachings of John the Baptist and Jesus, do we start seeing some warnings about this pride of we're descendants of Abraham? Yeah. Yeah. And so you see that. I think you're, you're specifically talking about Luke chapter three, I believe, um, where the crowds are coming out to John the Baptist. And uh, he tells them, don't say to me <laughs> that you're a child of Abraham. You know, the axe is already at the root of the tree ready to chop it down. So you need to, yeah. you need to really think about the things that you're doing and, and what God's calling you to. Yeah. And then, uh, then later in Jesus's ministry, in John chapter uh, eight, um, he says, "If you remain in my word, then you will know the truth. You will, uh, excuse me. Then, if you remain in my word, then are you truly my disciples? You will know the truth, and you will the truth shall make you free." This is John chapter eight, verse 33, mm-hmm. 32. Verse thirty-three. How did the Jews react? to jesus's statement that you can be made free yeah we've uh what do you mean be made free we've never been enslaved to anyone (laughs) um i think we are yeah we're children of abraham Mm -hmm. yeah we are abraham's seed so that very thing that john the baptist was saying don't don't start with that we're abraham's seed thing you know that's what they're presenting here to jesus hey we're abraham's seed well paul's going to point out in galatians 4 and especially over in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 9 and such, who else was the seed of Abraham? Uh, the uh, Ishmaelites. Yeah. Who was uh, actually in chronological order, one of the first, <laughs> the first seed of Abraham. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Ishmaelites could say, hey, we were seed of Abraham before you were seed of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's point, it's kind of you know it's not so much about the flesh as the promise yeah. where's god putting the promise yeah and so go ahead John. let me also just say because because I, I mentioned this but didn't actually go to the text in luke chapter three john will make uh or john the baptist will make a point in luke chapter three that paul really spends a lot of time expounding on and talking about in the promises but the phrase right after in luke chapter three verse eight where he says, don't say uh, to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. John says, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Um, and so you know, God is able to accomplish his purposes in, in all kinds of different ways. I think that's John's point. Um, and Paul will specifically zero in on that in Galatians and say, he has his offspring, he has his children through promise and through the promise that was made to Abraham. So. Yeah, and that promise when we get to the New Testament is fulfilled in Christ who offers a blessing to everybody. Right. Now, in the Old Testament, the Pharisees, the scribes, 
uh, Jewish leaders would have seen these verses that talk about Gentiles coming in. But as they read Isaiah 2 or Micah, all nations will flow to Jerusalem right. or Mount Zion. And I think it would be real easy for us, if, if you and I are Jews, to think, wow, it's going to be so glorious when everybody wants to be a Jew. You know, everybody will come and be circumcised. Everybody will, you know, be headed to the temple. Everybody will be offering animal sacrifices. Nobody will be eating pork. You know, uh, sow bellies market's going to drop. You know, no, <laughs> nobody because uh, people are going, or at least less, people from all over are going to become children of Israel. Yeah. So keep that mindset in mind right now we have jesus's warnings and in john 6 after they said we're the seed of abraham jesus responds to it in two ways excuse me john 8 mm -hmm. he acknowledges that they are physically children of abraham but then he talks about who they are spiritually and who does he say they're the children of spiritually yeah so um let me find the, the verse exactly he says satan um yeah but where is that sorry i have a new bible so trying to figure out where the uh the yeah, verse no is it's not on the same part of the page verse 44 yeah so john 8 verse 44 um he says you are of your father the devil and you will do as your father desires he was a murderer from the beginning and he will not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him yeah all right so jesus sends out the disciples and on the in matthew 10 what we call the limited commission he said go to the house of israel don't go to the samaritans don't go to the gentiles go to the house of israel now he also said i have sheep not of this flock but at that point go to the house of israel at the end of matthew 28 go to all nations acts chapter 2 uh thousands of people are gathered in jerusalem from all sorts of nations yep but they're all what kind of people? They're all Jewish. They're there for, for Pentecost. Right. Jews and proselytes. Yes. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. And we've got Jews and proselytes here. And what is a proselyte? That's somebody that's born a Gentile, yeah. but they have converted to Judaism. Yep. And for a man to convert to Judaism, what did he have to do? specifically uh, be, yeah be circumcised yeah be circumcised and so these people were now the jews were fine it, it wasn't just a, a, a racial thing it's i'm going to look down on you because you were born a gentile they were quite happy with gentiles that converted to judaism mm -hmm. that followed mosaic kosher laws abstained from work on the sabbath and got circumcised we can tell that uh, in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. One, um, what did Jesus criticize the Pharisees for in Matthew 23? You go over sea and land to make one proselyte. Mm -hmm. But when you've done so, you've made him twice as the son of hell that you are. Yeah. And in the early church in Acts 6, there was a problem in the feeding of the widows. Mm -hmm. And the apostles said, pick out seven men of good reputation. Now there's 5,000 men, at least at the time. Mm -hmm. So these seven are going to be cream of the crop. 
Right. And six of them are naturally born Jews, but what was Nicholas? Yeah, he was a proselyte. So that's Acts chapter six and yeah. uh, verse five. He was a proselyte from Antioch. Yeah. Uh, so when we talk about G Cornelius being, you know, a first Gentile convert, Nicholas was born a mm -hmm. Gentile, as were many others that had been present on the day of Pentecost, but they had converted to Judaism. And then they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and they became disciples of Jesus. Right. Jews were fine with that. Mm -hmm. Then we get to Cornelius and briefly kind of take us through kind of briefly uh, Acts chapter 10, Jonathan, and we want to leave time for Acts 15 and then Galatians, mm -hmm. but give us a story and show us what happens there in Acts chapter 10, please. Yeah. So in the first section of Acts chapter 10, um, Peter is in Caesarea or, um, uh, yeah, excuse me, he's actually in Joppa. Um, and there's a uh, Gentile named Cornelius in Caesarea, who's a good guy. Um, he's well spoken of by the Jews. Um, he's a devout man. He prays to God. He gives alms, all that sorts of all those sorts of things. But he gets a vision um, from an angel that tells him he needs to send for Peter so that he can hear what the Lord requires of him. Peter then gets a vision as Cornelius sends him in to go um, find Peter and bring Peter to his house. And Peter has this vision of the, the blanket that comes down with all the unclean animals in it. And it happens three times. And the Lord tells Peter, get up and, and eat, eat these, eat these unclean animals, which to Peter as a Jew, that's outrageous. And, and Peter himself says, no, like far be it for me. I've, I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord responds um, in, um, in verse 15 of Acts chapter 10 saying, what God has made clean, do not call common. And it says that Peter's confused by that. He doesn't really understand the point. Then the Gentile men show up at the house that Peter's staying in in Joppa. And they tell him the situation that Cornelius is well spoken of by the Jews. He was told to come and sin for you. And so Peter goes with them on the next day and gets to the house um, and tells Cornelius verbally, you know what kind of a sin it is um, for me to be here. You know, Jews are not supposed to be with Gentiles, but then he's starting to put the pieces together and he realized God has shown me not to call anything unclean or common that he's called uh, clean, putting two and two together and realizing God is welcoming the Gentiles in. And so he preaches Jesus to him and all the people that Cornelius has gathered together and the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius like it did in the beginning. Um, Peter will make that note in Acts chapter 11 when he's retelling the story that the same thing that happened to us at Pentecost happened to Cornelius and the Gentiles that were in his house. Um, and so Peter comes to realize, who, who am I to stand in the way of God and his plans? God is opening up the, the door of salvation and the gospel to the Gentiles now. Um, and so Cornelius and his family and those with him are, are saved um, and, and baptized into Christ. And the, the language at the end of the chapter is interesting. It, uh, when Peter's preaching and then the Holy Spirit fell on them, they began to speak with tongues. Then answered Peter, verse 47, this is Acts 10, verse 47. Can any man forbid the water that these not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Why, who, who would be the men that would forbid it? Would, the, would Cornelius say, no, I can't be baptized. Uh, Peter's not saying it. Back up to verse 44. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them that heard the word. 
and they of the circumcision that believed were amazed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also in verse 23. Yeah. That's also in verse 23, the Jews that went with him from Joppa. Right. Right. So these Jews, Jewish believers in Christ that went with him, they are shocked that this would happen on Gentiles. And so Peter's kind of talking to them. You guys need to understand. We can't tell. We cannot forbid you know, these men to be baptized. And mm-hmm. so everybody saw the point, they baptized them. Well, everybody there saw the point. Yeah. I mean, you had the sheet lowered, the spirit saying go, you know, the, all these confirmations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but chapter 11, the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that Gentiles had received the word of God. Mm-hmm. Really nice if verse two said. And they rejoiced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And instead what does verse two and three say yeah whenever peter went up to jerusalem the circumcision party criticized him and they said you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them um so they're you know critical of the fact that that he's um spending time with with gentiles and and teaching them um then peter goes on in verse four and following to explain the situation and what happened yeah so he retells the events given in chapter 10 I was on the rooftop. The the vision was lowered. The spirit told me to go while I was going. The spirit fell on them. Who was I that I could withstand God? And so then when they heard this, verse 18, they held their peace. Glorified God saying, then the Gentiles also God has granted repentance unto life. Let's stop and pause there. What are some lessons that we can learn from that? Not just about Judaizing, not just about Jewish Gentile, But when we've had an idea in our mind and when we start looking at what God has said, we start seeing something different. What needs to be our attitude? Yeah, the same attitude that Peter has um, where uh, he says, who who am I to, um, you know, question God Um, if we're confronted with something? And this and I think it's helpful to realize this is an earth shattering thing for the Jews. Like this is totally not at all what they thought or believed or expected from God. And the attitude is, well, that's what God said. Um, and, right. and that's, that's what it needs to be for us. You know, no matter how earth shattering or life changing, um, that's what God said. Yeah. And the ES, the American standard says they held their peace. You know, it's like time to stop objecting, stop objecting. Okay. That's what God said. Glorify God. Mm-hmm. But does everybody get on board with this? No. But there's also more Gentiles being converted elsewhere. Uh, Verse 19, it goes back. We see a flashback to the time of Stephen. At the stoning of Stephen, this great persecution began in Jerusalem with Paul doing a good portion of it. And it caused disciples to scatter everywhere. And in 8.1, it said they scattered everywhere preaching the word. But as it flashes back, it mentions a detail that fits what we've been talking about. Uh, read, please, verse 19. Yeah. So, so Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Yeah. So we're going everywhere, preaching the word to fellow Jews. Mm-hmm. But some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, when they came to Antioch, they also spoke, so spoke to Greeks. 
Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem hear about this, they don't say, go circumcise them. Mm-hmm. They send Barnabas to work with them. And it's going great. Um, uh, he went and exhorted them that with purpose of heart, they would cleave to the Lord, verse 23. Mm-hmm. Then he goes over and he gets Saul of Tarsus, who's now a Christian, to come help him. And uh, they spend a year there. Uh, I'm in verse 26. They taught many people. And this is where the disciples are first called Christians. Mm-hmm. So let's just notice a couple of cultural things. Uh, down in Jerusalem, they had not been called Christians. Mm-hmm. There were disciples. Mm-hmm. There were believers. They weren't called Christians. Down in Jerusalem, nobody was eating a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. <laughs> they were not working on Saturday. They were not leaving their children uncircumcised. These are Jewish people who believe in the Messiah. They're still staying away from bacon. They're yeah. still resting on Saturday. Which they're still. Which, yeah, which and let me just say, is fine. <laughs> that's that's great that they're doing that. They're Jews. Mm-hmm. That's part of their culture and 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 conscience from from growing up. And Romans 14 mentions, you know, it's out of respect of God. And these are Jewish things. And Paul himself, do we see Paul taking a vow? Yeah. Do we see Paul heading for, for the feast? Mm-hmm. He's a Jew. Yep. And he's relating to Jews. But where Paul is going to draw the line is where you try to impose the Jewishness on the Gentiles. Yep. And that's also what Peter was saying there in Acts 15. We need to baptize him uncircumcised or not mm-hmm. oh the church at antioch is growing first missionary journey a lot of gentiles come to the lord paul and, and barnabas come back to antioch things are going great until we get to chapter 15 in our last few minutes we want to notice the connection between acts 15 and galatians because yeah. both of these we see judea and it, it, the for the audience, Jonathan, just define kind of in simple terms, what is a Judaizer? Yeah, so it'd be someone who, um, at least in the biblical sense, um, is teaching and enforcing Mosaic law on a non-Jewish believer in Christ as a, right. as a means for salvation. Yeah, you have to become a Jew, get circumcised, keep Mosaic law to get our Messiah. Now, Jewish cultural and traditions is is fine for the Jewish people, but it's not part of the gospel. It's not what a Gentile has to do to become uh, a Christian. And what Jonathan just said is what these Judaizers were doing. So in Acts 15 in Galatians, one of them, we're going to see a live action shot of Judaizers in action. The other is going to be a letter written to a group after Judaizers have come in in a live action shot and caused a bunch of damage. So which one is the live action shot and which one is the aftermath, Acts 15 or uh, Galatians? Yeah, Acts 15 is the live action one. Yeah, so let's see it in real time here. Acts 15, everything's going great. Um, Things are going good. This is up in Antioch of Syria. Certain men came down from, from where? Judea. Judea, with the capital of Jerusalem. And they taught the brethren, Gentile brethren, up in Antioch, what? Verse 1. 
They said, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Yeah, you're, you're not even disciples. You're, you're still in your sins. Mm-hmm. You have to get circumcised after the custom of Moses. Well, Paul and Barnabas disagree with them. And the disciples are hearing Paul and Barnabas say one thing. They have reason to believe them. But the Judaizers are apparently giving the impression, at least, if not worse, that they speak for the apostles in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they probably gave it like were from the something along the lines of, we know the real apostles, and in Jerusalem, they agree with us. Mm-hmm. And so, well, Barnabas say no, but these guys from Judea say yes. And the reason I think we can be confident that they've kind of given an impression along that line, whether outright lying or just conveying it is that when the apostles at Jerusalem write to the Christians at Antioch they say we understand some fellows from down here went up and we did not tell them to do that yeah you know and you basically you can ignore them yep. so there's an element here of speaking for the church the, the apostles at Jerusalem Jerusalem when they weren't mm-hmm. okay so um so Paul and Barnabas sent down to Jerusalem, where this is supposedly from. Well, on the way, they go through Phoenician Samaria, talk about how the Gentiles have become believers. Everybody's happy. At Jerusalem, they get up and they say something about it. And what do we find in verse 5? In verse 5, the, uh, some of the believers that belong to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said it's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. Yeah, so two things. And it, it, first off, it's necessary. This is not an option. This is not good advice. This is not, you might want to consider this. It's necessary. For what? For salvation. You know, back back in verse two, one, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. So it's necessary to have them circumcised. And what else? Keep the law of Moses. Right? So then... They have a lot of discussion about it. And Peter gets up and just briefly either read a verse or two or just summarize here from Acts 15. What's Peter's main point? Uh, Well, he kind of gives a really brief summary again of what happened with Cornelius. And so he says, I'll just read verse eight. God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them, talking about the the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Um, And he says in verse 11, we believe we will be saved the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will, just as the Gentiles will. So like we're equal playing field. We're, on, we're in the same boat and before God. Yeah. So God's already settled this. Mm-hmm. You know, remember Cornelius is already established. Then Barnabas and Paul get up and in verse 12, they're rehearsing the signs and wonders that God did among the Gentiles. And what's the point of that? If you've got people saying, they're not really saved, you know, until they become, you know, uh, Jews, basically. Uh, and Paul and Barnabas get up and talk about all the miracles that God blessed them with during the first missionary journey where uncircumcised Gentiles are brought to the Lord. What's the point there? Well, um, in, in the Bible, signs and wonders were to establish and confirm God's will and his word. And so if God was granting signs and wonders through the Gentiles, that's a pretty obvious confirmation that God is welcoming them in. Yeah. You have a problem with this. God does not. 
And then James gets up and he says, you know, to disagree the words of the prophets. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, his choice of language there, to disagree. Because Paul's going to say over in Ephesians 5 that this common inheritance between Jew and Gentile was kept silent in ages past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there were a bunch of verses about Gentiles coming in. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think kind of what we have here is, yes, there were those verses about Gentiles coming in, but if you read them, it would just be real easy to understand them simply as meaning, uh, including the idea that they're going to come and become Jews and keep yeah. the law of Moses. Yeah. And this idea that they don't have to do that, they get to come directly to Christ, that's new. But James says, this agrees mm -hmm. with what the prophet said. Because it refers to the Gentiles among whom I, uh, uh, the Lord, uh, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. Mm -hmm. All right. So then they write a letter and they say, hey, these guys that went out from us, that troubled us. We did not tell them to do that. And they agree with Paul and Barnabas and you don't have to do these things. All right. That's them in action. Now mm -hmm. we come to the book of Galatians. Mm -hmm. Galatians is a region that Paul had gone through and brought, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah. And let me just also make the, make the connection. Um, they go um, uh, through delivering that letter. So they take it back up to Antioch first, where the problem kind of originated uh, in Acts chapter 15. But then in Acts chapter 16, as Paul and his new traveling companion Silas are going through and and strengthening the churches that are in the Galatian region, um, in verse four, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the observances and decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So, so the Galatian churches received this letter that was written in Acts chapter 15 also. Right, right. Which may give us some understanding on the timing. I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this and I don't want to be emphatic, but I'd be inclined to think that Galatians, the book was written before Paul took the letter from Jerusalem. Uh, uh, and, and there's the, if they'd already all heard the letters from Peter and James and, and the apostles of Jerusalem, then there might not have been this problem that developed. So I'd suspect our Judaizers have got in here earlier like they did it at, mm -hmm. at, at Antioch. Mm -hmm. So now we come to the book of Galatians. And there's three points I would like to point out that will really help you better understand Galatians. Yep. Um, so we're going to do some role playing here. Jonathan, do you want to be the Apostle Paul or do you want to be the Judaizers? Uh, I'll, be the, I'll be the Judaizer. All right. So Jonathan is a Judaizer. I'm the Apostle Paul. I came to Antioch. Some Jews heard and believed, but a lot opposed. And then I went to the Gentiles and a number believed. I went to Iconium, Lystra Derby. And a lot of people that I converted are not Jews in the synagogues, but Gentiles, okay? And I've told these Gentiles, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38, Acts 22, 16. And in faith in Christ, trusting in him and his atonement for your sins, you are forgiven and your sins are washed away and you are a child of God. You're a fellow heir. You are now adopted in in one of God's family. Mm -hmm. Okay, I leave town. In comes Jonathan Judaizer. 
and you see all these horrid Gentiles, uncircumcised, bacon-eating, Sabbath-working people thinking that they've got your Messiah. And so you start trying to tell all these pagans that they've got to undergo surgery, give up pork, you know, start following the Jewish calendar and everything. And do you suppose everybody at once said, okay, I think they would have said, that's Who are you? what Paul said. Yeah. So there's three things that Jonathan Judaizer is going to need to do. Um, to... One in relation to me, Paul, because he's going to be hearing them say, yeah, but Paul said mm -hmm. one in relationship to himself because mm -hmm. they don't know you and one in relationship to the Torah. Yeah. So what are your what are some of your tactics going to be, Jonathan? Yeah. So first, I'm going to have to undermine Paul um, and and show that um, he's maybe two faced, maybe whenever he's talking to Jews. He tells them to be Jews when he's talking to Gentiles. He tells them to be Gentiles, but that's not, you know, he's kind of wishy-washy uh, in that. And he's not really one of the original apostles. He's not a real apostle. So um, yeah. just kind of undermine his authority and the, the truth that he was saying. And in doing that, kind of vaunt myself and show I'm from Jerusalem. I know, you know, Peter, I've talked to the real apostles. This is, this is how it is in Jerusalem. Like, you got to trust me, guys. Um, and then um, show them the law. Um, you know, this is what the law says. This is what God has said. You want to follow him. Here's what it's like. Here's what you have to do. And, uh, you know, show them Exodus and Leviticus and, and all these yeah. different things that God's commanded. Yeah, you can't eat this. You have to do this. You can't do that. You, you have to be circumcised. So that's going to be their, their three-prong uh, approach. Don't listen to Paul. He's not a real apostle. And, and you can see their attacks by looking at Paul's defense. When Paul says, opens his letter, never in another epistle have I noticed Paul beginning his theme in the opening words. But usually Paul will say in a letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ, or something to that effect, uh, or a servant of Christ. Here he says, Paul, an apostle, not. Not from men. <laughs> yeah, but he's already beginning his defense. Mm -hmm. And then he says, am I trying to please men? Mm -hmm. That would have been their attack. Oh, he, he knows that you need to be circumcised. He's just watering it down. He's just making it easy on you. He knows he's not going to get as many converts if you, if you have to circumcise. He just, he's two-faced. And he preaches circumcision. You can see this because look at chapter 5, verse 11. Brethren, if I still preach, cir preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Mm -hmm. See, he's responding to a charge mm -hmm. in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now seeking the favor of men? Yeah, he, so these are the charges that they've made. So don't listen to Paul. And by the way, they've apparently said he had to go to Jerusalem to be trained or learn. He's dependent on Jerusalem. That's why you have the second half of chapter one saying, I did not go to Jerusalem. I did not. I, I got it straight from Jesus. I didn't get it from Jerusalem. Now, three years later, I did go there, but I was only there 15 days. Mm -hmm. And I only saw Peter and James, you know, of the apostles. I didn't get it from them. Mm -hmm. So why is he saying all that? Because they've said this. So discredit Paul. And then like Jonathan said, bunch yourself. And then point to the Torah. Mm -hmm. 
right? Remember those three points. It will make the book of Galatians much, much more vivid and easy to remember. And how would, Jonathan, how would you feel? Um, oh, you're the Judaizer. But mm -hmm. I'll, I'll switch roles here, change hats. <laughs> Imagine you're Paul. How would you feel? How much did you sacrifice? And what did you go through to get the gospel to these Galatians? Well, um, specifically in Lystra, I was stoned. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, which is one of the cities in, in Galatia. So, you know, a lot, a whole lot of sacrifice. Um, he'll say, um, and, and I don't know, this is just my opinion. Maybe this isn't what he means. But in, at the end of Galatians, Galatians chapter six, verse 17, um, he says, from now on, let no one calls me trouble. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Um, I think yeah. maybe, maybe calling back to the stoning that he experienced in Galatia, like remember the sacrifice that I've made, that the effort that I've gone through in liberating you and bringing you in and, and telling you the truth. And so he starts in Galatians one amazed or astonished that like, I can't believe that you're, you're leaving the gospel. Yeah. And after all that he went through to bring them to freedom in Christ, now they're going backwards mm -hmm. into trying to become Jews and be justified through Mosaic law. And so he's, he's upset about this. In most letters, Paul to churches, Paul will introduce himself, Paul and Apostle, identify who we remind, just we sign at the bottom, they would kind of sign at the top, mm -hmm. all two. And then he would say grace, mercy, peace. And then within the first chapter somewhere, usually very early, he says, I thank God for, for you. Yeah. He doesn't do that in Galatians. He's, 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 this, this is, he's pretty upset. Instead of saying, I'm always giving thanks for you. He says, I can't believe how quickly you left it. Mm -hmm. And then he gives an example and he says, look, and it's not that they preached another gospel only there that some that trouble you and they're preaching a different God. It's not the real gospel. It's a perverted gospel. Mm -hmm. And he gives this analogy, even if it was an angel from heaven, you shouldn't listen to a perversion of the gospel. Yeah. Now, why does he say an angel from heaven? Some have speculated this is a reference to uh, the view of that the old covenant came through angels. I don't think that's what this is. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think this, yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. Seems to be hyperbole, um, maybe kind of similar to what he does in in First Corinthians thirteen, talking about the right. the tongues of angels, um, and saying like, you know, it, I don't care who it is, I don't care if they if they're directly from heaven. <laughs> this right. is this is the gospel, and there's no variation. Yeah, because if the Gentiles say, yeah, but you know, Jonathan the Judaizer, he he said he was from Jerusalem. He was from Jerusalem. He said he. Paul says, I don't care who they were or where they were from. If it's a different gospel, don't listen to it. Then he starts about the attacks himself. I'm trying to please men. Wow. <laughs> if Paul's goal was to just please men and not be in trouble with anybody, he did a really spectacular bad job of it. Mm -hmm. He's going to be beaten and beaten and beaten and stoned and beaten and beaten and beaten and jailed and jailed and jailed and killed. Mm -hmm. um, and there has been some two-facedness going on 
And when some Jews quit eating with Gentiles, including Peter, who stood up in front of everybody and defended the Gentiles. Paul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we see how he's dealing with they vaunted themselves. Um, and he talks about in chapter four, they seek you so that you'll seek them. Mm -hmm. The Jews enjoyed being in that position of, you know, you need to come through us, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, in fact, at the first Gentile, at, the, at Antioch of Pisidia, do you remember, um, Paul spoke to them on the Sabbath. People said, we'd like to hear some more. The next Sabbath, the whole city turns out, you know, a lot of people from the city turned out. And when the Jewish leaders saw all these Gentiles coming and Paul offering it to them, they were filled with what? Jealousy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They preferred it where you've got to come through us and become a Jew. Yeah. Right. So Paul has to deal with the attacks against himself and he has to deal with their vaunting himself. But then there's all the references to the law. Mm -hmm. So there's one chapter in Galatians where Paul quotes from the old law over and over and over and over. Yeah. And that's chapter three. Chapter three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paul goes back to the law and reminds them that Abraham believed God when it was reckoned to him for righteousness. And he says in verse 7, those that are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Verse 8, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand out to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Then he goes to the old law that if you don't keep the law, you're accursed. And he goes through and he builds this case that there, and he said these original promises are not changed because of the law of Moses that came over 400 years later. Yep. And so he ends chapter three, maybe Jonathan, just take us maybe 23 through 29, please. Yeah. So Galatians three twenty three says now before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so just a couple of phrases that really stand out that, that you know, kind of echo what we've been talking about. In verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. And in verse 29, his kind of closing point in chapter three, if you're in Christ, you are Abraham's offspring. You, you're a yeah. part. You're a part of that promise. Just like what John said in the beginning when we talked about in Luke chapter three. John said, "God is able from stones to raise up children from Abraham. He's able from Gentiles to raise up children yeah. from Abraham." Also, yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, and and so these these three points to help remember in Galatians criticize Paul. He's not a real apostle. You know, he he got it from these guys. He got it from Jerusalem vaunt themselves and then go to the law paul on their vaunting themselves he points out to what some of their motives were trying to get people to go through them and he said i don't care who they were or where they were from if they're perverting the gospel don't listen to it 
And that matches with Acts 15, when the apostles said, hey, we heard that some from down here went up there troubling you with these words. You don't need to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then defending himself. No, I didn't get it from Jerusalem. I got it from the Lord. Mm -hmm. it, it just trumps it. <laughs> I, I got it from the Lord. In chapter two, he says, by the way, 14 years later, I did go down there and talk with them about this, and they agreed with me. But that's not what made it right. Um, he, he'd already gotten it from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And chapter three, look, before the law of Moses was ever given, we had this promise. You guys were already where you needed to be. Yep. Well, thanks for uh, helping us go through that, Scott, today. And thank you to our audience for tuning in um, with us. One thing that, that I'll notice um, as well, um, our, our intention in going through that is hoping that hopefully that will, that will aid you in understanding Galatians um, a little bit better, understanding the context and seeing what Paul is talking about to kind of know um, what's going on. And an observation that, that I'll make is I think that's really helpful with almost all of the books uh, in the Bible and the letters. Like, why was this written? Who is it written to? What's the purpose? What's the background? Um, and, and that helps to answer some, some hard questions that may come up in, in those books. So um, hopefully that's helpful for you all in Galatians. If there's another book that you'd like us to do that with and kind of break down the history and the backstory, we'd, we'd be more than happy to do that. So you can ask us about that at uh, BibleQuest.com. TV, or if you have some other questions that you'd like us to address, um, you can submit those at BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to do those in our future shows. But that's all that we have for this week, so we will see you all next week, Lord willing.